For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. We got fresh frozen <laughs> strawberry margaritas and Terry's bringing us chips and salsa all night long. Nick's hips do not lie. <laughs> yeah, I got a MF wagon. Like, <laughs> let's be real. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Half Street High Heat. You can find them wherever your podcasts are downloaded or sold. With me, as always, is Ray Knight. Uh, Johnny, I think this is going to be a great episode. I do. They're going to talk baseball, Johnny. And the baseball is the reason they talk and what they talk about. I think that's important to talk about baseball. And if you're a baseball podcast, you're going to end up talking lots of baseball. Well, that's awesome. Thank you very much, Johnny and Ray. Bob Carpenter with you here. And now, let's start the show. Hello, everybody. It is that time again. Welcome to the latest episode of Half Street High Heat, now presented by Manscaped. Thank you, as always, for joining us. We appreciate all of you listening. I'm Amanda, and I am joined, as always, by my Malapert co-hosts, Nick and Ryan. Make sure you find us on Twitter. Follow the show there at Half Street High Heat for all the latest. And don't forget to check out the website, halfstreethighheat.com, where you can get episodes of the podcast, check out the Tee Public uh, store. There's links for that there. Also, articles, all kinds of good stuff. So make sure you check that out. How are you guys doing? Um, I'm doing. I, uh, you know, so last episode, I, I detailed my, uh, you know, trials, getting my wife a new car, and that inspired me. So now I am in the new car market as well. So, oh. yeah, I'm trying to see if I can't, you know, finesse another good deal out there. So th- that's what, what are I you looking at? Doing trucks i mean nice. now that now that i have a truck i'm never gonna go back so um are, are you are you brand loyal what's your well I, I have a toyota tacoma right now it's a little small so I'm looking for a full-size truck but just you know finessing the deals right now yeah well that sounds fun shopping for new cars is fun Making yeah, the new payments not as much fun. Nope, not 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 so much fun. But <laughs> nope, nope. It's fun right up till that first bill comes, and you're like, "Damn, yeah, they got me." Yeah. <laughs> My car's only like six months old, so I'm a ways out from meeting a new one. And you already put sixty thousand miles on it. It has twenty three thousand miles on it. In right six now. months. In six months. That's disgusting. That's almost <laughs> as disgusting as your email inbox. <laughs> well. Our listeners did not hear about my email inbox. That was before we started recording. So I don't know if I have, I have time to go through 90,624 emails. 94,058 unread emails. Uh, so I Thank lost on prices right rules. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. Okay. Let's do our weekend review. Ryan, what you got for us? 
yeah, MLB is off to a good start and a bad start in some areas. The bad, MLB is off to one of its worst starts in its history when it comes to offense. League-wide batting average for the month of April is its lowest since 1968. The average OPS is the lowest in April since 92, and the strikeout rate is the highest in April in all time. What recently changed the, call, the causes, you may ask? Hmm. I think it's the adjusted balls. Many around the league believe that it is the adjusted balls that are causing the alarming trend in declining offense. But another trend that has continued the last couple of years is the number of balls put in play per game is the lowest in its history. That is concerning those around the league. Something else to remember, though, in 2019, MLB teams scored 4.83 runs per game. That was the most since 2006. That was before the balls were deadened. MLB national broadcast ratings are up 50% across the board compared to last year. Um, Vlad Jr. hits three home runs in one game, something his Hall of Fame dad never did. Now, to the worst division in baseball, in fifth place are the 9-12 and 12 Nats, who just beat the Blue Jays 8-2, to two, and they went 1-1 one one against them this week. In fourth are the 11-13 and 13 Marlins, who took 2-3 from the Brewers. They come up to D.C. next after an off day on Thursday. In third place are the 9-10 and 10 Mets, who lost one nothing. Jacob DeGrom got absolutely belittled tonight and doubled his runs given up on the season. He went from one run given up to two runs given up. Jacob DeGrom did, however, tie Nolan Arenado's record for the most strikeouts through first five starts in history. Please, please get that man some help. In second place, um, if they win, will be the 12-12 and 12 Phillies. They currently tied with the Cardinals. Um, Bryce Harper took a 97 mile per hour fastball to the face in the very next pitch. D.D. Gregorius took a fastball to the kidney who has a kidney disease. Joe Girardi was not very happy after that. In first place are the 12 and 12 Braves who took the first three games against the Cubs looking for the sweep tomorrow. They have one more against the Cubs before traveling to the Florida for the Blue Jays. This has been your midweek review brought to you in part by your local neighborhood chilies. Celebrate summer and May Day by going and getting yourself some absolutely delicious chilies and a fantastic frozen strawberry margarita from your local neighborhood, Terry. This has been your week in review. Yeah. Um, God, what was I going to say? Oh, I well, while you think about it. I completely uh, space. Go, yeah, go ahead. I want to talk about uh, Vlad Jr., which, I mean, obviously watching him do that to the Nats was no fun, but his dad tweeting about it was just so wholesome. I loved it so much. <laughs> yeah. It was so cute. Yeah. So, now, um, I was going to say, now, now that Vlad is, now that you know, the Blue Jays are the Florida Blue Jays, uh, <laughs> You know, Vlad is the second best wagon east of the Mississippi behind yours truly. Ah, well, mm. it's, uh, I don't know what to say. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, gonna say were you? <laughs> I got nothing. I got nothing. <laughs> He's dumb thick. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's do our quick pitch. Uh, what is the best wagon. jersey number? Oh, oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. In baseball or like all so, time? I, I was thinking baseball um because oh. certain numbers look better on like football jerseys because you have the pads and stuff um but I, obviously you know we're a baseball podcast so i was thinking baseball uh, a couple that come to mind 
Uh, and obviously it varies by position. I think seven looks very sharp. And for someone like Trey Turner, it's even better because he's fast. And seven's kind of like a lightning bolt. So I think seven looks good. Um, for pitchers, you know, it, it it just it depends on the pitcher. I think, you know, again, I don't know what it is about sevens, but sevens look good on a jersey. I, I think 27 looks good, 37 looks good. Um, and then obviously, you know, I'm a sucker for the the double numbers. So your 11s, your 22s, 33 doesn't look that good. It's a little clunky, but something like that. But I'm going to go with seven if I had to pick one. Yeah, I don't know. I've never given this a moment's thought, so it's hard to say. I do like lower jersey numbers for some reason. I don't know why. They just seem cooler to me than than higher numbers. I do like seven just because it's, you know, generally a lucky number. Um, I agree with you about 11. The double is good. God, this is a tough one. Yeah, I mean, obviously, forty-two is great, yeah. but that I, that's kind of standard across the board. I'm trying to think of like good pitching numbers. I think thirty-five looks good on the jersey. It just fits like the back well. Um, underrated one, fifty-two. A good a one. Good, yeah, a couple good fifty-twos. If you're going like best jersey number of all time all sports is 23 yeah but when i'm thinking baseball a couple that come to mind is you know you look you go 24 you got mm-hmm. will you also gotta think who had the number right, whoever right. had the number made it better 24 you got willie mays ricky henderson king griffey jr miguel cabrera fantastic but my number one is number five or number two five is good I'm between those two right now. Yeah, I do um, like the single digits. There's just something cool with that single digit number. There's, just, there's something better about it. And like Albert Pujols, George Brett, Jeff yeah. Bagwell, like fantastic. And I was number two as a kid growing up because of Derek Jeter, so I always like number two. They're but, number one in my heart. Oh, babe. I'm going I'm gonna go number five and uh number two. I like That's that. Okay. The only single digit I don't like is nine. For some reason, nine just it doesn't do it for me. But yeah, I can't think I of any nine. So I don't I know. Eight okay. doesn't really do it for me, but I have no. Oh, eight is solid. Eight is classic know. because it's the only symmetrical number. Yeah. It's right down I the middle. Suppose. Yeah, I, I hear you. I don't know. It just doesn't do anything. Cal Ripken. I have no explanation for it. No, I, I mean, I love Cal Ripken. I just don't love the number. I, don't. I think eight solid. I think you messed up there. I'm trying to think of like the pitching number. What number was Pedro? Wasn't he 42? Or am I making that up? You are making that up. You're going to go with a high number. I like 99. 99, Ew. a lot of, I like 99. I think uh, that's a good one. Roger Clemens was 21. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, he was 22 at some points too. 25 is a good number also. 25. Yeah. Five fits the jersey well, just like seven. I don't know why. Just, I don't make the rules. <laughs> I don't make the rules. There are no rules. All right. Well, let's move on and talk about, let's do our Nat Spat. Um, a little bit of good to talk about from tonight's game, which just ended right before we started recording. Um, so, dilemmas we have now. Bell, he did hit a bomb tonight, but overall has just been, I mean, he's been bad to the point where you you almost feel like, can you keep him in the lineup? But if you listen to Davey's pregame presser tonight, I mean, he just said, we're just going to put him out there every day until he works his way through it. So, there's your answer. But Yeah, uh... I mean, thankfully hit a bomb tonight because I, I just wasn't ready for the, the wrath of Shaq to come I know, down on, right? on Josh Bell. 
I was like apprehensive I'm and like, looking forward to it all at once. Like, <laughs> his play w- was inexcusable and indefensible, undefensible, non-defensible, indefensible, uh, with liberty and justice for all. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, that was funny. Um, his play made was, yourself giggle. <laughs> his play was indefensible. So I, I knew the Wrath of Shaq was coming. I was just like, please, please do something to buy yourself a little bit more time. So I, I don't know if we've gotten an official ruling yet, but I'm, I'm hoping the home run bought him at least a little bit of an extension uh, on but, his late payment. Let's ask Ryan. I thought you said two days on Twitter and Monty appealed to you for three since there's an off day in there. Where, where did we come down? Um, You know, he hit the bomb, but he, oh, I got to no. see, I, I oh, no. see more results. You know, like this is something to build off of. So I'm not going to unleash the wrath just yet because it was an opposite field home run. It was a good swing. I'll give it to him. So no wrath just yet. Um, also, okay. So we got granted the extension. Okay. Yeah. yeah the ex- All right. The cool, cool, cool. There. All right. But, like, it, there's, there was a legit conversation you could have because Ryan Zimmerman was playing so much better than Josh Bell. And Josh Bell, to this point, has been an absolute liability in the lineup. Bell's not coming out of the lineup um, for a couple of reasons. One, they're just going to let him go through it, as Davey has said. And two, Mike Rizzo does not swallow his pride. This man does not like to be wrong, and there has never been a point in Mike Rizzo's tenure where he has admitted that he was wrong and given up. You know, in 18 and 20, they should have sold. They didn't. He's not coming out of the lineup because that means Mike Rizzo made a bad trade and it was wrong move, and he's not going to do that. He's going to keep playing. There's people who are saying, do you bench Schwarber? It's the same thing. They're also paying him $10 million. Schwarber is not coming out of the lineup. They're not putting $10 million on the bench. Kyle Schwarber is going to play every single day, just like Josh Bell. Um, maybe they give Ryan Zimmerman a little bit more play time than just the lefties, but Josh Bell is going to be the starting first baseman, and Kyle Schwarber is going to be the starting left fielder. That's not going to change. We know Mike Rizzo will not allow that. The man is not going to swallow his pride for that because he has not once swallowed his pride. He puts the team in good positions, but selling, admitting he is wrong, not his thing. Yeah, and you know, you you seg- segued into Schorber. <laughs> yeah, I, I mentioned this once before. With why would you pay Kyle Schorber ten million when you could have a younger, just as effective, and probably more effective defender in Jock Peterson, and cheaper too. That was my main point. In Jock Peterson, the Cubs That's just let, what the Cubs did. <laughs> the Cubs literally let Schorber walk to sign Jock Peterson for half the price, and you know with the situation they find themselves in with not only Bell and Schorber, but Victor Robles as well, you don't have another viable option for center field. Like, yes, Stevenson can play there, but Stevenson is supposed to be your fourth outfielder. And it's not like Josh Harrison where his play can warrant, like, you know, if he's a a stopgap at second base, that's fine. If Stevenson's a stopgap at center field, you're not fine. So you're, you're basically forced to play Victor Robles, whereas if you had Jock Peterson, Jock Peterson can play center. And I'm not saying he, he's your long-term answer or anything, but at least you provide yourself a little bit more flexibility than you do have right now with Kyle Schorber because he's he has to play left, and he's not hitting, and he's a very average defender. So it's like you're, you're not getting anything out of it. Like Ryan pointed out, I think it was yesterday or a day before on Twitter, you know, with Robles, at least he's a great defender, and you'll trade crappy offense for great defense. 
Whereas, you know, on the flip side, sometimes you will trade crappy defense for good offense like Kyle Schwarber, but Kyle Schwarber isn't holding up his end of the bargain. So it, it's just a tough situation to, you know, find yourselves in if you're the Nats. But I agree with Ryan, you can't necessarily put $10 million on the bench. It's the same reason why, like we talked about last episode, if, um, you know, Lester and Strauss come back soon, Corbin's probably going to be in the rotation because you have so much money invested in him and Fetty's probably going to get the bump to the bullpen. But I don't know how you can do that right now with the way Fetty's pitching. I think he's really. I get it. You, you know it how you to... do that. So you, you you look at your salaries and go, this guy's making thirty million dollars. Yeah. Hey, He's Fetty, what are, what do you do to a soccer up. ball? <laughs> Eric Fetty's league minimum. It's that simple. He is pitching well, but this is the first time Eric Fetty has ever pitched well in his career. But that's I the think... whole reason. I feel like do you do you now screw with that and put him back in the bullpen? They I did would, it with Joe Ross plenty. I mean, it's <laughs> yeah, it's like if if anything, if Corbin struggles again, he is. I don't think he's. Corbin's I think they need to put him on the starter. IL if he I struggles. was about to say, he, if he struggles one more time, we will see an IL trip. Like, the Nats have a very long tendency of doing that, of putting those guys on the Phantom IL, Sean Doolittle. Um, we would see that. They're not going to put him in the bullpen. They have way too much money there. Fetty is pitching well. He's probably the team's, you know, second or third best pitcher right now, which is the funniest thing in the world because third. it sucks. Third. He's not um, there, Ross. <laughs> But going back to I hasn't Robles, given up 10 runs yet. That, that is true. Um, <laughs> going back to Robles, there's a lot of people who want Robles to be benched because he's slashing 206, 333, 254. Like Nick referred to my tweet, in center field, you will take plus defense for minus offense every single time. Look up Jackie Bradley Jr.'s career. They're the same player. Victor Robles is the next Jackie Bradley Jr., which is fine. Jackie Bradley Jr. can't hit for anything. He's a terrible offensive player, but he's an elite defensive center fielder, and that's why he's been around as long as he is, because he provides that elite level of defense. You allow that. You put him in the bottom of the order, and you realize center field is the second most important position defensively, and you allow that to happen. Now, if Robles' defense starts to start going down the drain, you have a different conversation and you're figuring out what to do because if he's not hitting and his defense sucks, you have a big issue. But as long as his defense is fine, there's nowhere Robles needs to go. The issue is Homie was touted as a five-tool prospect. Where the hell are the other tools? Because they're not there right now. Um, that's the biggest concern. But as long as Robles keeps providing that defense, he's going to be starting in center field. Well, one of the tools was let go and signed with the White Sox in the offseason. Uh, oh, come on. Uh, no, no, I wasn't booing you. I was just booing out me. Oh, okay. I was like, I thought that was good. We're looking for tools. <laughs> I mean, one was just shipped off. but uh, uh, I see. It took me a second. It took can, me a second. So what about, let me ask you guys, what, what are you thinking about Yadiel Hernandez? He He can't play center. Like, yeah, I mean, if you really want to hurt your outfield, you could play him and um, Soto when he returns in Schorber. But you're trading offense for defense. Yeah, again. yeah. that that's your your offensive lineup. Certainly not your defensive lineup. And while we have been uh, significantly better defensively this year as opposed to last year, it's not like we're you know all that great defensively. You know, top to bottom. So, 
Yeah, yeah, I hear you. He's he's hitting right now. Oh, it's only twenty one at bats, so you know for what it's worth. But he's hitting over three hundred. It's just hard right now with with the offense struggling so much. It's just so irritating to to know that they're going to have to sit Zim most of the time and Hernandez and all the guys who are actually hitting a decent clip. It's it's obnoxious. Well, Hernandez doesn't have the track record either. He's a yeah. career long minor leaguer. He's thirty three, I think he is you're not going to be playing him. If he's playing every single day and you're trying to find a position for him, your team is screwed. Um, he can play right field until Soto comes back. But when Soto comes back, he goes back to being on the bench. He should not be in a starting position. The fact that we're even having this conversation kind of shows the failures of the offseason addressing any type of depth that this team does not have. He's doing rather well. It is very surprising how well he is doing. It's a good story, but he doesn't have the track record. He's not getting paid anywhere close to what Kyle Schwarber is. He's going to keep enjoying his role as a like platoon slash off-the-bench kind of guy. It's also he's never going to become the fourth outfielder because he can't play center. And if yeah. you know he does become a fourth outfielder, you either have to carry five outfielders if you ever want to give Robles a day off or you say, Robles, you're playing every day. <laughs> it, like There's no real option like Soto has a couple of games there but Soto is also not a center fielder no he is not so yeah it's just a frustrating situation where you know can, can I uh can I take a victory lap uh about what uh so we're on episode 114 of this great podcast mm-hmm. and on episode one of this great podcast oh it's the same victory I, lap you always take I, I it's a it's the only lap I like taking <laughs> um, I said that Victor Robles was trending to be a, you know, slightly more flashy Michael A. Taylor. I think you might argue he's a slightly less flashy Michael yeah. A. Taylor where, at this point. <laughs> where is Monty? Monty was the one who was so offended by that. Mo- yeah, Mo- I think Monty was. And no, there was another guy on Twitter. I- I- I'll have to go dig up the tweet. I remember, well, um, Shaq suspended, so you're not going to find it. But no, no, I he, he replied to me because he was like, uh, he's, but he said something like, I just listened to the first episode of Hashtag High and I heard da 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 say that, uh, you know, compared Robles to Michael A. Taylor, so I'm going to not listen anymore. And I was, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay. And here we are two and a half years later, and, yeah, you could argue that, Michael he'll be listening listen. to this tomorrow, and, yeah. and I'm sure he'll be responding yeah, on Twitter. Monty, <laughs> um, Monty's trying to take my GM job, so like Monty and I are in a, a real interesting relationship right now. He has a second hit piece coming out tomorrow, so Monty, oh. if you can hear this, we were right. Yeah, right. I just I, – I, I, even at the beginning of this season, but prior to the season even beginning, I said I would love to eat my words on this. Yes, we're only, you know, not even a month in, but we're always talking about Robles and when is he going to do better or is this who he is? It's still crazy to me. Two and a half years later, I think I can claim some credit. Yeah, well, I I still always think it's nuts to think that he was the more highly touted prospect than Soto. And if it weren't for him having been injured in the minors, we wouldn't even have seen Soto when we did. It's, It's a crazy story when you think about it. Yep. Yep. Okay. The last item on our Nats bat was, do you start Zim, which we've already sort of touched on. I think you do. I think you start him a lot more than you have been, but like you said, you can't really bench bell because he'll never work through what he's working through. And 
Rizzo's, you know, never going to want to do that. And I don't think Davey is either. Davey, he said today in that pregame presser, he said, oh, I remember working through this stuff when I was a player and you just got to put him out there every day. And, you know, he knows we've got his back and, and that's it. Like he's going to play every day. But I do think they're going to try to work Zim in more than they have, which they should. Zim's been outrageously hot with the bat. Well, Zim is Zim's playing well because of the role he's being yep. used in. Mm-hmm. He doesn't play well when he has to play back-to-back games. When he's starting a lot, we saw that earlier in the season when he was playing every day, there was those back-to-backs when he struggled. He's playing well because he's being used in this type of fashion. The Nats know that. The Nats know how to use Zimmerman perfectly. They're going to keep using them as they are to keep getting the most production out of him. The split is still going to be what they planned on. I don't think they increase that. I think they leave it as him getting the lefties and those occasional spot starts here and there and the pinch hits because they know that's what's best for Zimmerman. Yeah. It's working I mean, for him so far. Like, con- Universal DH conversation aside, the Nats really could use a DH right now. And we saw it more on display today. But, I mean, we still had a lot, a good amount of offense compared to our previous uh, few games yesterday being the first game of the Blue Jays series. So, you know, in the two games with the DH, we're averaging a heck of a lot more runs than however many games without the DH. So it just lengthens the lineup so much. You don't have to worry about Bell uh, versus Zim situation, you can, you know, like they did today, start Zim at first, give him his start. I think he went three for four or something, three for threes. And Bell was able to get his at-bats. He hit a home run. He's hopefully turning a corner and working through, you know, this slump. Good players slump all the time. It's not indicative of the player Bell's going to be this season. You just have to hope he works through it sooner rather than later because we're already getting a couple weeks into the season. It's... You know, it's going to be interesting to see what happens when, you know, Soto and the pitchers come back, what moves they make and kind of what trajectory this team takes. Because so far through, I guess, three weeks of the season, it's we've been missing pieces here and there. It's either we're missing pieces in the lineup, you know, with with COVID. And then once the lineup kind of got healthy, then we're losing pitchers. And then we lost more players in the lineup. So, mm-hmm. We haven't really seen the Nats at full strength. So, again, you know, we're going to have to see how the Nats respond before we even talk about what to do at the trade deadline and stuff like that. But it's not a great situation to be in because, like Ryan said, it we're we're constantly seeing the glaring mistakes made during the offseason. They're just, in one way or another, they're constantly coming up and it's just frustrating. It is, although it, what's nice is that the vaunted NFC, or NFC, um, there's NFC East. There. NL, yeah, the, there's a good comp there right now. The NL East has been really bad. They're the worst division in baseball right now, and they were supposed to be the best division in baseball. It's what everyone expected going in. Which so, I said it was not going to be. I said there was no very division. Well, it's just nice for the Nats that right now, while they're struggling, the rest of the division is not really taking advantage because the best team in the division right now is – 500 and they're not that far back so if they can get it together and you know stay not too far back and hopefully get right but you're right we haven't seen them at full strength and it, i don't know when soto's coming back the uh latest i heard earlier today was davy said he was i think the word he used was tender when he's throwing 
So he's going to, you know, keep working through that and then play a few games in Fredericksburg before he comes back to the big league club. So I don't think we're particularly close to getting Soto back right now. Yeah, and thankfully we have the 2021 NL MVP Trey Turner on fuego right oh, now. Oh, he's been so good. So he he's literally doing everything he can to to keep the ship afloat. And you know, role players like Jay Hay and what Zim has done in his role have helped, but even still we split a two game series with the Blue Jays. So ideally you would like to win the series versus the Marlins before you trek back into a difficult part of your schedule speaking of i can't wait for that because i'm going to be at the stadium on friday night for one of those marlins games and the first time i've been back to the stadium i'm so excited Uh, cannot wait all right i think that's it for nat spat nick could you give us a word from our sponsor sure thing heaters this episode is not only brought to you in part by but also presented by manscaped today i want to talk about their crop uh you know package so to speak their you know pitches show you care by caring for your pair end-to-end front-to-back manscaped skincare products are infused with natural ingredients to soothe and protect your most delicate skin uh the crop cleanser romance your stones a little a little bit it's a moisturizing hair and body wash with fancy ingredients like soothing aloe sea salt and natural hydrators so you don't dry out the crop reviver you gotta keep those boys cool it's a ball spray that's just what the doctor ordered for your buds below it's a soothing aloe and witch hazel extracts keep your high friction areas cool calm and protected after a good shave with your lawnmower 3.0 of course And then there's the crop preserver where you stave off ball chafe. It's getting a little warmer. This anti-chafing ball deodorant made specifically for a man's nether region. This cream cuts helps cut down chafing by properly moisturizing your most treasured area. It's all great stuff. I use all of them. It's game changing. You don't realize what you're missing until you use it. And then once you use it, you never want to stop. It's a great package, and Half Street High Heat can help you do that. Go to Manscaped. Use our promo code HSHH20 for 20% off and free shipping on any of these great products or any of the other products Manscaped offers because they have a lot of great stuff, a lot of great offers, and, of course, we are giving you a great offer with 20% off and free shipping. So use our promo code HSHH20. Help us help you help us. Sage advice. All right, let's move on. Ryan, what have you got for us? Help me help you help me help you. Yes, yeah, so a couple weeks ago, not a couple weeks ago, I think that was what, last week we did the concern. Oh, Rama, this week we're going to do fact or cap. But if you're not caught up with the trends, this is also known as contender slash pretender. So I am going to give you the scenario of a team. Uh, I think, yeah, I have two players in here. But most of these are about teams. And if you think the team is legit, you say contender. If you don't think so or you disagree with the statement, you say pretender. Does everyone understand the rules? Yes. Awesome. All right. So let's roll on. The Royals currently have the second best record in baseball. The Royals will sustain this hot start, and they are legit. Are the Royals contender? Or pretender? Pretender. 
I just I have, I have too much. I've got I've I have too much Michael A. Taylor PTSD to think that he can sustain what he's doing. Not that he's the only one, but no, I don't think they can sustain it over the long term. It's a great story, and it's nice to see how well they're doing. But I don't think they're I don't think they're legit for the whole season. I'm actually going to say contender. And reason being is I don't think the AL Central is going to shape up like we expected. I can't recall everyone's predictions for the AL Central, but obviously I think the favorite was the White Sox. And it's very possible that it's a year too early for the White Sox. And plus they lost, they lost Eloy, right? Not, or did they lose Robert? No, it was uh, – well, actually, it's both are out right now, but Eloy's a uh, long-term. Yeah, Eloy was a long-term one. Um, he so, popped a titty. That's a technical term. Um, but without him and now Robert, you know, who knows what the White Sox are capable of. And I do think they're going to be a team to be reckoned with going forward, but it might not be this year. And the Indians are going in the complete opposite direction in the last couple of years. The Twins seem to do great one year and suck the next. That's kind of like their motto. They're currently 8-15, and 15 and it, a lot of baseball left to play, but obviously not trending in the right direction. So Kansas City can sneak in and win that division. We were all talking all offseason about how we liked the moves Kansas City was making. It was a lot That's of true. you know these mid-tier moves. And are they going to be you know the Dodgers? No. Padres? No. Um but as far as the AL, no one's really running away with it right now. Again, it is early, but you have to put the Royals in that conversation right now. So I'm going to say contender because I, I, I like rooting for these small market teams. And it wasn't really that long ago since they were contenders before. They won a World Series. And what was the year they won? 2016? Lost in 15, 16? won in 16? Is that yeah, because I think the Giants won in 15. Giants yeah. beat the Royals in 15. Royals beat the Mets in 16. That makes yeah. sense. It wasn't that long ago. Yeah, I still think, I do think they're a nice, it's a nice story and they made some good moves. I still think the White Sox are going to are gonna be able to pull out that. Yeah, the White Sox are only two games back, so. Yeah, and they're, they're just, there's so much talent on the White Sox. I still think they're going to wind up winning it, you know, winning the AL Central. But no, Kansas City's definitely better than anybody thought they would be. Yep. All right, moving on, we're heading out west to the Bay Area. The San Francisco Giants are currently 15-9 and in only a half game back of the Dodgers. Are the San Francisco Giants contender or pretender? This uh, one, I'll say pretender. Yeah, it's got to be. No, but they're not going to beat the Dodgers. Like, they, the NL clearly has established powerhouses and it starts in the Giants own division. So best case scenario for the Giants, you know, the way most people see the the NL playing out is the second wild card and that would have to play presumably the Padres. And if they can't beat the Padres, you know, over 162 to claim that second spot, it's not really boding well. Yeah, anything can happen in a one game series, I understand that. But who's San Fran throwing out on the mound against a, a U Darvish or a Blake Snell, Kevin Gosman. Like <laughs> that's yeah. not really anything to write home about. So it, it's good to see the giants 
seemingly turning around a little bit after being one of the teams in the worst situations after you know th- their period of dominance. But I don't think they're they're legit. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that one, Pretender. All right, we are staying out west, but we're just taking the beautiful. Was it the Pacific Coast Highway, whatever it's called, yep. down the entire California coast, going down to Anaheim. The Angels at 11 and 11 are one of the most exciting teams in baseball. Are they a contender for the playoffs or are they a pretender? Mm, this one's hard. Yeah, they've got some good stuff going on. Otani is so phenomenal. Like, that was my MVP is, pick. That's going to be my next victory lap. So much fun to watch right now. Um, God. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna go contender on this one. I don't think they actually can do it, really. But just for the sake of having fun with this segment, I'm gonna go with contender because they do have a lot of great pieces. They've got a lot of talent, but um, yeah, their pitching has always been suspect. But you know, maybe this is the year they manage to sneak their way into that second wild card. Okay, I'm gonna say contender with the caveat that they acquire a another bona fide starting pitcher at the deadline. Uh, I'm gonna throw a name out there, and it might not move the needle, but I think in a rotation like the Angels, this could be just what the doctor ordered. Kyle Hendricks. He's kind of had you know a rocky start to this season, but he's an innings eater. You know. Nats fans remember him in the uh, the Cubs series from 2017. We don't talk about that. Yeah, I know. I know. I was there. Ryan and I were there, actually. Um, and, you know, he, game he, five? He, no, we were at game one when Hendricks mm-hmm. shut the team down, and it was just one of the most boring games I've ever been to. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, he's an innings eater, and while he might not be the level of – Max Scherzer or, or someone else, the Angels could use every starting pitcher, you know, quality starting pitcher they could get their hands on. And a move like that, pair with Dylan Bundy, pair with Shohei Otani, I, you know, you really only need three quality pitchers to make a run or, you know, solidify yourself. And they certainly could use more help than just those three, but their lineup is really, really good. So I, I think if they make a move at the deadline for a starting pitcher, that the, they'd be a contender. I love it. I say contender because Rendon is now back. We are taking a red eye flight all the way to the East Coast, and we're going to land at Logan Airport oh, so and tired. go hang out with the first place Boston Red Sox. They are sitting at sixteen and nine and are tied for the best record in baseball. Contender or pretender? are the Boston Red Sox and one of those every couple year things where they just go on a run and win the World Series. God. Um, Mm -hmm. I'll say contender because, again, like I said, with the Royals, no one was really running away with it in the AL. Uh, The Red Sox are at the, you know, top of the AL currently and, you know, three games ahead of Tampa in their own division. I don't think it's quite the same, certainly not the same, as the 2018 Red Sox, obviously they're they're missing an MVP and you know a Cy Young caliber starting pitcher, but this team has a formula that has proven to work. I don't understand it, but, but it by God, it works. 
So yeah, this this very well could be a, a year where the Red Sox are kind of just out of nowhere, back in it, and who knows what next year holds. But I will say their starting pitching is a huge concern. It's nice to see Eduardo Rodriguez back. Um, dude already has four wins, and I don't even think most guys have gotten four times through the rotation. So that that's pretty impressive. Um, I don't know what the time frame on Chris Sale is to return, but you can't really bank on him too much because the the trip back from Tommy John is always, you know, uh, um, you know, a winding road and with no real timetable to get back to normal. And after that, it, it's kind of just uh, a mosh pit of starting pitchers. So I think they would definitely need to add one to the starting pit or uh, at the deadline, excuse me, but they're the Red Sox. They're more than capable of doing that. Their lineup is very, very good, even still without Mookie Betts. So I'm mm-hmm. going to say contender. Yeah, I'm going contender on this one, too, just because, you know, the Yankees. Like, did we all pick the Yankees to win the AL East? I think we did. Yeah. Yeah, uh, they don't but look I had the Red Sox yeah, making it. I was, uh, you, yeah, you had them as a wild card. I was just about to give you credit. Yeah, I think, you know, obviously it's much too early to talk about what, you know, this is going to look like in September. But they look... They look legit to me, and the Yankees look like pretenders. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go contender on this one. Division still runs through Baltimore. <laughs> um, the Red Sox are 16 and three since the sweep against Baltimore to start the season. I thought they were 16 and six. How many games they played? Yeah, They're right. 16 and nine right now. Yeah, but yeah, still, yeah. very good. Very yeah. good. Um, so we're taking one more flight. We're going not to Green Bay, the only city in Milwaukee that matters. Um, Milwaukee. City in Milwaukee. <laughs> only city that matters. It's the Midwest. None of it is real. And we're hanging out with the Brewers where we have a two-parter for them. The first part is they are 14 and 10 and sitting in first place of the NL Central. They do not have Christian Yelich right now. Are they contender or pretender? I'm going to say contender. They've always been the scrappy team for the past few years that just seems to always be in it no matter what. And the fact that this isn't the first time they, they've played good baseball without Christian Yelich. And I'm not saying Christian Yelich is overrated. That's not what I'm saying at all. But if you guys remember uh, two years ago in 2019, that run in, in September they went on after Yelich got hurt, that's what put them in the playoffs mm-hmm. against the Nats. So they have this formula similar to the Red Sox where it just works. For whatever reason, I don't know what it is. It could be, you know, the culture or just, you know, the, the management. I don't know. But it works. They're a scrappy team. And similar to the AL Central, it's a it's a wide-open division. It I is. mean, everyone kind of had their their team penciled in, whether it was, you know, the Cubs or the Cardinals or, or the Reds. But the Brewers are firmly and deservedly in that conversation. And with St. Louis not really cracking up to be – what everyone thought mm-hmm. the Cubs going the absolute wrong way, the pirates being the pirates and the reds, you know, giving up on their championship window after 60 games in 2020. Yeah. It very well could be the brewers at, at the end of, of the season. So I'm going to say contender. Yeah. I'm going to go contender on this too. When I, when we did our division picks, I, I think I picked St. Louis, um, but it was just kind of for lack of feeling like anybody really felt like a contender in that one. It was just like, you had to pick somebody. Um, but yeah, I think Milwaukee was the other, if it hadn't been St. Louis, I would have picked Milwaukee. So I, I kind of felt like they definitely had a shot and they're, they're looking pretty legit right now. Corbin so, Burns is the truth too. Yes. Yes, indeed. It's mm-hmm. he, yeah. Wow. His numbers are. What a segue to my last 
question. I got you. Oh, nice. Corbin Burns is off to one of the biggest starts of the year. Now, he is in the division that Trevor Bauer won Cy Young in because the division sucks offensively. He was off to a .37 ERA, and then the Marlins blew him up for five runs in five innings, and his ERA <laughs> jumped to one five three. Now, Corbin Burns, are you buying into this? Is this a contender? Or is this like a, a Cy, Cy Young contender? Is it a Cy Young contender or is it a Cy Young pretender? Mm. I mean, how much of a contest is it when Jacob Degrom exists? Yeah, I got. That's go my pretender. only thing. <laughs> if Degrom wasn't pitching, if he retired because he's just tired of playing for the LOL Mets, then yeah, give it to Corbin Burns. But it was a sixty-game season last year, and I think if you had played one sixty-two. DeGrom probably wins that. Um, but I, I don't think you can diminish what Corbin Burns is doing just because the, the best pitcher on the planet exists. So I'm going to say contender because he'll probably finish top three. This has sustained over, I don't know how many starts, how many starts you make in a 60-game season, like 12? So now he's another five in, so... You know, 17. What was his ERA last year? Like, what did he? Two eleven. Yeah, I was just gonna say it was low twos. So yeah. this has been sustained um, for a while now. So I, I think you have to call him a contender. I think I would call him a contender if the if the criteria are is he in the you know Cy Young finalist voting? Then yes. If is can he win a Cy Young? Then no, because like as you said, Jacob Degrom's gonna win a Cy Young this year. The Jacob Degrom Cy Young Award. Right. At this point, you might as well just Literally. name it after the name. Um, he will be a Cy Young contender because the division he's in sucks. That too. Would he be a contender, do you guys think, if he were in a more difficult division where he faced? No. But, like how much of, mean, this, of, of, the, of the low ERA is because he's feasting on bad lineups? Jacob, I mean, not Jacob, excuse me. Trevor Bauer's only good year of his career was when he was in the NL Central because the NL Central sucks. Like, he went up against four of the six worst offenses last year. The offenses in the Central aren't that good again. I am half buying into the hype on Corbett Barnes. I, I think if he was on the Dodgers or Padres, still a Cy Young contender. If he was on the Giants, not a Cy Young contender because he would have to play the Dodgers and Padres a lot. So, uh, yeah, I semi-agree with what Ryan's saying, but... I, I do think the dude is legit, so. All right. Is that our last one? It was. Our flight is done. The plane is now. We're stuck in the Finally. state of Milwaukee. Um, <laughs> state of Milwaukee, which is, what, what did we it's, say? Milwaukee was the only city in. You know how big. Or Green the, Bay was the, the only city in Milwaukee. You know how big the Louisiana Purchase was? That's the Midwest, and Milwaukee's the only city in it. Well, hmm. first of all, the Midwest isn't real, so you need to stop right there. I'm sorry. Yeah, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> all right, let's move on and look at Twitter questions. We've got quite a few this evening. Let's start with at everything underscore Nats, who says, when do you start looking at alternatives for center field? We did touch on this earlier. Uh, we don't when, really have any alternatives. so. <laughs> yeah, th that's the thing. There's no other options, but... It's when Robles starts to become a defensive liability. That's that's when you have the conversation. Until then, you don't. You know what stinks? 
absolutely stinks is Whit Merrifield would be so goddamn perfect for this team. Because he can play oh, you were second, beating that drum all he can off play season. second base and center field. And yeah, he might not be your long-term center fielder, but you would be perfectly fine with him in center field. And it's just, what's he hitting right now? What's his flash line? I don't care because it's Whit Merrifield. Let me look that up real quick. It, I bet it's better than Robles. And I, I, I just called the Royals contenders, but I really need them to fall off a cliff. Yeah, so, he's hitting two seventy six. With a Which 316 is on base percentage and you know, worldly better than what Robles is right. doing right now. Which is so mediocre, but such an improvement <laughs> right. over what we're seeing yeah, right now. <laughs> we, we celebrate mediocrity here in Washington. Yes. yes. I've always described DC sports as flashes of brilliance in a sea of mediocrity. Yes, basically. Basically. All right, next one is from at non-roster invite who says, how would you fix the lineup to account for Bell and Schwarber's struggles? What does the government say anytime we need help, thoughts and prayers? Um, <laughs> just that. All, all you can <laughs> pray. Oh, that's so terrible. Thoughts it will be just as effective. <laughs> just a pinned tweet for a day, and that, that, that that's basically what right. We'll just change our profile picture <laughs> to fix the lineup. Instagram <laughs> where it's like, what you can do about the Nationals' offense, those things that no one clicks on, it's that. But everyone reposts to their story. Yeah, but <laughs> no one actually clicks on it, everyone just posts it. And then is confused when nothing changes and the lineup sucks as much as it still did. Oh, Jesus. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so the answer is there. I'll tell you one thing I would do that's a legit answer is I would split up split Bell and Schwarber so they're not hitting back to back. I that's a black hole in the lineup. Don't necessarily know how you accomplish this, but it, unless one of them turns it around, I don't think they can be in a lineup together. It, they're, I mean, yeah, I guess maybe you accomplish it by if you hit Bell fourth, you hit Schwarber like seventh or eighth, but. It's tough seeing them both in the lineup. They're both just like outs right now. So you know I, how when you're in school and like you hang out with your friend and neither of you is paying attention, so you both suck. And then maybe yeah. if the teacher separates you and then you, you aren't distracted by your friend, <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe it's if that. you just separate them. But it, it's almost like you need to like how pitchers have their personal catchers. Like it's got to be Zim and Schwarber, and then maybe like Bell and Yadiel Hernandez or something like. It, it, it's tough having them both in the lineup right now. Yeah, because it's hard. You have to, you basically have to account for, outs. you know, guys who aren't going to yeah, account for outs. You, you have to... three given outs in the lineup right now with Bell, Schorber, and the pitcher. And that's why you can't keep them close enough together that it's going to be in one inning. Like if you have a short you, out, I would try to separate It's hard when it's 33% of your lineup. <laughs> it's hard to hide I, that. It is. It is. And then, yeah, I mean, it is hard to hide that, but. I just wouldn't have them back to back. Like you said, fourth and seventh, and or that's banking on someone like Jan Gomes, fifth and eighth. <laughs> yes, which is money well spent. Yep. All right. Well, that was depressing. Let's move on. At JCP says, at the start of the season, I thought a third place finish was the best this team would manage if they stayed healthy. Is this still achievable? It is because the division is absolutely horrible. They are the only team, I mean, so the only division that does have a team over 500 that is keeping them afloat. They are what nine and 12, and they're only 
two or three games back, which is rather sad and impressive. I still think they can finish in third place. Um, very much so because of that. The division is helping a lot, but a third place finish isn't out of the rounds if they stay healthy. Like that's a very realistic thing. Who would you put in fourth and fifth place if that were to happen? Um the Phillies and Marlins. Marlins are gonna finish the year in fifth place. It's just like, I don't know, man. The Phillies just stay around 500. They've been around 500 this entire season. They're probably going to finish with 81 wins. I would do them them too, but like, it'd be like an 83 or 84 win thing. Honestly, wouldn't be surprised the way things are going if the division winner has less than 90 games, honestly, because this division is really, really crappy. Everyone has a lot of bad things going for them, and that helps the Nats a lot because... They're nine and twelve, and they're still one one week in the way from being in first place. Like this has been a terrible season. Yeah, like one sweep, one weekend series sweep, and they literally, <laughs> literally, this has been a terrible season for the Nats, and this is their biggest division deficit at three games. Like the yeah, third place is very manageable still. No team is good. I will say, however, though, that the Braves are putting themselves in a very good spot to run away with this division. Um, they're 12 and 12 in first place and they're not healthy. Once they get healthy, if everyone else is still kind of stumbling around, they will pull away with it. But yeah. All right. Okay. Next one is, Oh, also from at JCP who says, when will Davey learn to manage a bullpen? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Never. He seems to have broken Swero in the same way he broke due in 2019. Um, yeah, no, Amanda said it never. That's, that's that man's weakness till the day he dies. Yeah, I, I just, I, since he's been here, he's never really properly been able to manage the bullpen. And I remember feeling a lot the same way when Dusty was here and he just kept going to the same guys all the time. And some of this is on Rizzo because, you know, you don't have a lot of good options. Um, at least it was when Dusty was here, you know, with JV, he does have more options and he just doesn't seem like he wants to use them. Um, you know, we've got, we talked earlier, was it last week, one of last week's episodes about how he's decided these are our 7th, 8th, and ninth inning guys, and we're just going to go to them all the time. It seems like this week there's been a little less of that. But Suero, when he comes back, he's going to need to lay off of him because you, you can't, you just can't have a guy throw every damn night. And that includes warming in the bullpen, Davey, if you're listening. I I did my, you know, rant on him last week. Uh I think the, you know, the perfect encompassing, you know, argument for the fact that Davey can't manage bullpen is through the first three weeks when we desperately needed, you know, someone to eat innings, he was going to swear out. He was going to rainy. He was going to those guys over and over and over again when literally Austin Voth exists. Austin Voth is not the best pitcher. He's not a world beater, but Davey so he stretched was, out as a starter, and he, he can. Davy was only using him in the ninth inning when we were up by a lot, or more often down by a lot. It made no sense. Like, how can you say, "Oh, I need like three to four innings because my starter got knocked out, or you know, whatever"? My bullpen's tired. I need someone to eat innings. I'm gonna go to Wander Swero for the ninth day in a row. Rather than Austin Both, who hasn't who can't pitched pitch in four more days, than two innings, right? Who, can't yeah, pitch more who, than who two hasn't pitched anyway. in four days and used to be a starter and can stretch out as a starter, I'm not going to go to him. It, God, it just idiot. Just yeah. Nick gets so animated when we talk about Davies bullpen management. 
<laughs> All right, let's move on. At Shani the third says, is it realistic to hope beyond 500 for this team? I'm going to pause your... I- for so for the person yelling at the podcast right now, I realized both pitched three innings the other night, but it was the first time all season. Sorry, man, <laughs> yes, to continue. Head that off. <laughs> Before you attack me on Twitter, I already know what you're going to say. Yep. So, um, is it realistic to hope beyond 500? A little, maybe. I I feel like they're going to be around 500 for a I while. Um, not having Soto is just such a killer. It's a killer. It's, yeah, it's it's one guy in the lineup's kind of like just drained. I think they're going to hover around 500 for a little bit. Hopefully they sweep the Marlins and they get the 500. So hopefully, you never know how this team's going to be. Because um, then they have the Braves, Yankees, and Phillies. So that'll be a little bit tougher. Um, just really hope they can be around 500 for most of May. And then as they start to get healthier, hopefully be in a good spot. That would be yeah. nice. That would be nice. Okay, next one is all right. At U B. I think it's Yoberto, but the E is. It's Yoberto. Yeah. Yoberto. That's clever. That's clever. I like it. All right. What's our ceiling? What's our floor? Ceiling is a modest eighty-five wins. I think they. I I think I predicted them winning eighty-three games. I. I honestly feel like they still win 83 games to start to finish the year. The floor is 75, which I feel like also the way things are going isn't out of the picture either. So like a 75, 85 range as a ceiling and floor. Um, I agree, but to, you know, kind of paint the picture, I think the ceiling is the second wild card. The floor is what the angels are from year to year. That perennial... 77, 81. They should be better than they are, but they're not. Yeah, I think second wild card is the ceiling. Um, and maybe 86, 87 wins. Like, that's the best I think we could hope for. Um, the floor, I think, is probably high 70s and a fourth place finish. Yeah. So the Angels. Yeah, there you go. All right, one more. And that is from at Nats Post, who says, when will the Nats be good? Well, it won't be before Soto comes back. Um, not until they hire you and me to be GMs, we are unreal and will be the show. And it will directly translate. Post is currently doing the season with the Orioles. He's doing fantastic. Shout out to another rival GM in the DMB area. Um, yeah, the, the Nats will hire us. That's when they'll be good. <laughs> nice. Nick? Uh, Any thoughts on this one? I mean... <laughs> The the window is cracked, not not like glass wise. Like it's cracked. It's barely open right now, and it's not going the the right way. It, it's closing. So are you saying after a rebuild, this one they'll be good? I mean, you're going out here throwing around the R word. I'm just saying that, that's that, that's, that's what light you're Twitter implying, on right? Fire because we have the most sensitive fan base known to man. Hey, Twitter is fun when it's on fire. I mean, I, it, I can't deny that. I just don't want to be the reason for it. Um, this team needs a lot of turnover. I'll just say that. Oh, so you're saying they need a rebuild, but you're not going to say the word rebuild. I'll say retool. All right, fair enough. That's I said this enough. a couple episodes ago that yeah, this team isn't going to get back over the hump unless they make one major, major trade where they sell and acquire some prospects. Well, I guess we will see if this is that year. All right. We got anything else before we head out? 
this comes out on Thursday. Check the Half Street High Heat Twitter for a giveaway. Nice. Excellent. And I believe there's going to be another article out on the website at halfstreethighheat.com tomorrow as well. All right. So thank you guys for listening. As always, we appreciate you. Please be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you know when we drop our new episodes. Um, we love interacting with you guys on Twitter, so make sure you check us out there as well at Half Street High Heat. And check out the website, halfstreethighheat.com, for all kinds of good stuff. Y'all have a good night. There's a new breeze blowing off the banks of the Potomac. A new team's mowing down the ranks of their opponents. The Nationals are smashing balls, so that the commentator who has the cause has passed the wall to see you later. Let's go, Nats. We've got a game to play. We're gonna win today. Let's go. By the early light of dawn, well you can see they're running scared Cause the kinds of bombs we're launching are bursting in the air Tell the Library of Congress that they might not want to look Cause we're putting curly W's in every book Let's go Nats, we've got a game to play We're gonna win today, let's go A 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals. I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at ritual.com podcast. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. 
Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.